0: Um, I wanted to kind of share with you guys a little bit about what's been on my heart this week, and I'll be honest with you, there's, uh, as a pastor and as a regular preacher, so for those of you guys that have never preached regularly, then this is news to you, but, um, you know, in general, I have a pretty good sense of what I feel like God wants us to talk about because he's God and this is his church, and so I'm sort of, we are sort of like the, the the employees, for lack of a better word, right? So the big man says, hey, this is what you're doing this week. And occasionally there's weeks where the big man might or might not be speaking it, but the employee is just not hearing it. Anybody have a season like that? And all week long, I kept thinking, Lord, I don't have a clue what you want me to preach about. I have a thought about this, a thought about that, and, and I, I just have really struggled with knowing this is exactly the word of the Lord. So then it became yesterday, which is a really great feeling, um, it's not, okay? It's not not the wisdom to wait till Saturday afternoon to make a message. Um, but it came to yesterday and I said, Lord, you've been talking about this and this and this and I, I don't know what you want me to say. And I felt like he wanted me to get up and just sort of share my heart. Uh, it's a little bit of a part two from last week when we talked about our vision for the year. And honestly, I thought, Lord... A lot of times I like to keep my real heart slightly hidden. Anybody else like that? You can know a lot of my heart, but the real thoughts are like, Do you, are you trustworthy for me to tell you my unfiltered self? And so I'm going to tell you my unfiltered self. Um, so hopefully we're still friends after all this. Um, I'm just kidding. But I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to get up and just share with you that everything that I said last week, and we're going to recap it in a little bit, it's really important to me that we do this. Like, it's not just a, a good message and like something that I felt like, you know, this, this sounds good, this makes for a good t-shirt, et cetera. It's, it's, it's really important to me that as a body, we give ourselves to what God is trying to do. Um, about, I don't know, eight years ago or so, Grant and I were in a, a missions conference in Colorado and the one of the speakers was the guy who was in charge of the Southern Baptist missions worldwide, so big job. And he was speaking about surrender, and man, in the room, in the room at the time were friends of ours who were in our still living in Afghanistan with no running water. They live. They have given up every normal American thing to give themselves for the Afghani people, and they've been there for a really long time. In that room were people serving in Asian nations, in Mongolia, in in Iraq, in Iran, in. Korea in the places you couldn't even imagine and there was about 200 people in the room and then here's Grant and I you know we were youth pastors in Norman Oklahoma like the suburban you know dreamland compared to a lot of these sacrifices and this man as he he began to do an altar call and the altar call was him inviting people to say yes to Jesus just to surrender again now everybody in the room was a pastor at some level so that's the context of this and I remember coming up there and saying to the Lord, I don't know what you want to do, but you can do it. It doesn't matter to me what I, where I go. You know, Europe would be nice, Lord, but if it's Asia or Africa, that's fine too. <laughs> Just my real thoughts. But I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do because I gave you my life. It doesn't belong to me anymore. And we were kneeling at this altar, and and it was such an amazing, powerful moment of person after person re-upping their yes to the Lord. Re-saying, I surrender yet again. People who were going back to nations where their lives are in danger, where their friends have been killed. This is like their real life, and here we are in Oklahoma. And it was about, I don't know, four months later that God called us to plant this church. And it's interesting because... Of all the things you think you're saying yes to, in the middle of the Bible Belt with thousands of other churches in every corner, I was up in, uh, <laughs> in the north side of town the other day, and I was like driving, and there were four very large churches, larger than the size of our building, just back to back down the road. And I thought, well, okay, that's Oklahoma for you, right? And God is like, here's where I want you to go. And I'm saying, I gave you my yes. You could have sent me anywhere, and this is where you sent me? I'm not complaining. Thank you. But do you guys know what I'm saying? And, and I say that because there's a place in my heart that inundated with as much as we are inundated with, there's still a cost and a call sitting before us, even here in Oklahoma right? There is still just as much sacrifice and surrender involved in saying yes to the Lord in Oklahoma City as there is in Myanmar in, in Uzbekistan in Djibouti and wherever you can think of that's a remote place. And it matters to me that we do the thing that God has asked us to do because I don't understand how it fits into the worldwide picture. I just know that he's God and he knows what he's doing. Amen. And so what I wanted to do today was sort of just talk about where do we go from here? I put a lot of effort into last week's message and making sure it was clear and concise. And it's, it's a little annoying to come back up and be like, what else do I talk about, you know? And in my process with the Lord this week, not annoying because of you guys, just internally and myself. And um, the Lord reminded me of something that happened right before that surrender moment. Grant and I had the, the privilege and really the honor to have lunch with my personal hero, Graham Cook. And if you, this is not a plug, but if you bought my book last week and you started reading it, the first two chapters are really about this lunch. And it was a three-hour time frame where he came to our house and sat with our kids and we ate barbecue and talked about life and we were this way and then we were this way forever. It was one of those type moments, right? And a lot of that conversation is in the book, but there was another part I don't share very often because it was really sensitive to Grant and I and it it doesn't always apply, but I felt like God wanted me to share it. And so we were sitting there and we had brought him in, our church had brought him in as a guest speaker for the conference. And he was depositing a word about the fullness of God and our identity as believers that was unbelievable. It was powerful. It was radical. We could feel ourselves being changed, even listening to it. And, uh, and so Grant asked him, he said, Graham, if you were us and you had brought yourself in, you know, you'd brought someone in who gave a word for the season to the church, what would you do? What would it look like on the back end of that word? For you, how would you plan around it? And he said, well, let me put it to you this way. He said, in the Western American church, what we've done is we've created an audience instead of an army. And he said, we have given so many opportunities for amazing preaching and vision casting, and we give very few opportunities for implementation and execution. And he said, we show up on Sunday morning and we hear this message and it's good and it's, it's like food and we eat it and it's great. And it's like, yes, this is what I'm going to give myself to in our context today. It's like 2020 is my year of abundance. And then we show up Sunday night to a small group or whatever, and we're doing something else that has nothing to do with that. And this isn't wrong. This isn't bad. It just is. They said, then we show up if your church has a Wednesday night thing, and there's even another message that's really profound and really good. And there's already three big things for you that how can you know what to give yourself to? And he said, that's not even including your personal devotion and the podcast you're listening to and how you're feeding yourself. And so what we've done is we've surrounded ourselves on all sides by vision that we could never possibly implement in our life. There's not enough hours in the day. I was really convicted when he said that because I realized that I love vision and I don't love implementation. (laughs) Who does? It's hard It gets boring fast. It's not enjoyable by about week four, right? But the thing is that when God is saying, this is what you give yourself to, that's where he is standing. So we can come over here. Like, let me give you an example. This is our year to step into the fullness of our identity as believers. Amen. And so I could say to you today, we're going to do a message on missions and giving to missions and it would be amazing. I'm not, you know, the context is amazing. Maybe not my words, but you know, it would, it would rivet you. It would excite you. And now all of a sudden we have a decision to make. Are we going for missions or are we going for fullness? And then next week, we could do something else about how important it is to give ourselves to the poor, which, as we know, is important. And now we're going, am I giving myself to fullness or the poor or, or to missions? I'm, I'm not really sure. So I'll just keep drinking vision until something sticks, Till somehow maybe through osmosis of my AirPods, it will change me. And the thing is that the Lord is still standing right here. So I'm going over here and going, but this is good, God. This is important. Missions is important. And he's like, it is important, but this is where I am. Okay, all right, fine. Teach me abundance. Oh, I have to do that? Mm, Okay, well, actually, I was thinking I would give myself to the poor. And he's like, that's good, but this is where I'm standing. Are you guys tracking with me? And so it's important for us to learn to discipline ourselves, to see where he is and stand right there in the midst of a million good things, that we choose to stand in the best thing in that moment. It's like we are stinky onions, and the Lord is cooking with us. And instead of just slicing and dicing, he peels one at a time. And so we might say, Lord, they're all good things, right? But he's going, if you don't get this first, you won't make it in that over there. This is my heart, and this is my heart for us as a church. Because when we said yes to the Lord that moment in July, all those years ago, when we we said, yes, God, you can have your way, and he began to say, this is what I want from a church. What he said is, I want an army. That's what I'm doing, Rachel. That's what I'm doing, Grant. I'm building an army. I'm not building an audience. There's enough of those around. What he was saying is, what is an army? Let's think about it for a second. An army are, these are not people who just sit and listen to a TED talk and move on with our lives. An army is people who train, who practice, who implement. A lot of you guys are veterans. You guys know this more than I do. I just like to watch like the SEAL team show, you know? That's the extent of my understanding. But as God would do it, this is what he's saying, that for us, it's repetition. It's training. It's actually doing the things that we're saying are important to do. And when we do that, we transform the entire region because now we actually became the message. It's not just that I can say to you, listen, I'm telling you there's fullness available for you. I actually became fullness so that you can see what it's like. And then you have people coming around and going, what is your secret? This has been our personal journey for a long time. I didn't really necessarily realize it until a few months ago that God was creating the John 10 life in Grant and I and in our home. But it's fascinating to me the magnetic effect that it has on people. It's not me, guys. It's not me. It's Jesus in me, right? It's not him. It's Jesus in him. It's not you. It's Jesus in you. So we're not trying to become fullness for the sake of looking good or creating, you know what I'm saying? It's not about us. It's about him, which we know. So our heart right here, it's to raise up true believers. It's to raise up effective armies. We're very unapologetic about that. We might not have used that term for you before, but you know that's our heart. And so in this whole week, as I'm processing with the Lord, I'm going, God, what do you want me to talk about today? And he's saying, share your heart. And this is my heart. If we don't plant this seed, it's not going to grow. So this is my first question for you today. The seed that we shared last week about this word, are you just sitting it on top of the soil and sort of hoping for the best? Or are you willing to dig a hole and put it in the ground and When a seed goes into the ground, the nutrients in the soil actually break it apart. We don't like to think about that part. That's not comfortable. It's not fun. And I've been there too many times to count. But as it breaks apart, something magnificent begins to sprout through that actually defies gravity. And it breaks through the barrier of the soil and becomes a harvest. That's what's inside of you right now. But for some of us, maybe not all of us, because depending on where you are in your journey, but for some of us, that seed has to die in your soil to bear fruit. So my question to you is, are you committed enough to let it do what it needs to do? I know this isn't something simple I'm asking of you. I know it's hard. We were in pre-service prayer. Grant was saying, what do you want us to pray for today? And I said, listen, I understand that what God has called us to this year It requires effort on our behalf, and what it requires more than anything is the guts to look at our issues and not run away, and not distract ourselves, to not forget about it, to not, you know, like last night, full disclosure, I was not having a good conversation with my husband, and the whole time, all I could think about was, I don't want to be in this conversation right now, so I kept turning on the show that I was trying to watch. This is just embarrassing, but whatever. And he goes, I feel like you just keep trying to run away. And I was like, clearly, I don't want to talk about this right now. And it wasn't even a big deal. It was that it felt hurtful in my heart. And I was sitting there thinking, again, Lord, I have to live it out, right? Because that's the truth of the gospel is that we have to face head on where it hurts. But we do that because we know he's that good. We don't do that because we're gluttons for punishment. So last week I shared with you guys a really upbeat message. (laughs) Part one was real exciting, right? And I believe this with every fiber of my being. It would take me the rest of the time today to explain to you all the confirmation things that I know, that I know, that I know this is the word for us this year. That you are called to walk in fullness. You are actually called to walk in blessing. You are actually called to demonstrate the life of Jesus in your life today. And for some of us, to get there, it's not going to feel good. And here's my challenge. Are you willing to say yes to the Lord? Because even if you have to borrow my trust for a minute, because we trust that God is going to do something good on the back end. Last year, in the summertime, we went through a really difficult time as a church. A lot of you guys were here for that. And um, there was a lot of warfare that happened. And we don't talk about spiritual warfare a whole bunch because... uh, take me too long to go through it. I believe in it. It's true. It's just I don't like to give credit to it unless it really is important to you. And there was a couple things that happened as the Lord began to unveil that there was like demonic assignments that were assigned to the church and there was a lot of stuff that happened. And you guys know that because you lived through it. And uh, I was offended, not at you, at the Lord, if we can just be really honest for a second. I was offended because I was like, Lord, where's our hedge of protection? What are you doing? Why are all of these people, including myself, going through such unfair, difficult situations? Why is this happening? And to all of us at once, that feels really rude. This is just my relationship with God. He loves me, He loves you. You can be this candid with Him. It actually is helpful for your spiritual life if you're emotional like me. So, anyways, um, and the Lord began to show me that you guys remember when we had Justin Allen here in May and He gave a prophetic word about launch? And uh, I should have looked it all up, but it was love and authority and then U-N-C-H. And um, <laughs> it was all good. It was really good. Sorry, Justin. Um, but the U, God, God was talking to me and he said, uh, the A, he said, um, you know, I have called you to be a people of authority. And I actually know that. When he gave that word, I thought, wow, that's great. We've actually had that word quite a few times. And we believe and know that we're called to be a warrior people. Because why? Because we're an army, right? Right. And uh, and the Lord said, you know, how can we win the bigger battles if we can't win the battles of our own home? And I was like, that is so rude, Lord. <laughs> Why didn't you say that before we all went through the fire together unanimously, you know, and we didn't see the other one in the fire like Joel Houston talks about in the song. It was like he was there, but we didn't always see that at times. You guys know what I'm saying? And the thing that I'm saying this, and the reason why I'm bringing a a light to this is because when God gives a prophetic word, sometimes he makes our circumstances the opposite of that word so that when the word comes to pass, it's clearly him and not us right? So sometimes he gives a word about authority like he did in May, and then we all go through a A season of life where no one feels like they have any authority and then God comes through and everything is rendered in our favor and God begins to be the one and it's like oh Lord you did it and we grow in our ability to have authority amen so here's what I'm saying to you for some of us and I know this isn't all of us but for some of us I'm giving you a word about blessing and you just might find in the next couple of weeks your life doesn't feel very blessed And that's okay. It doesn't mean the word wasn't true. It means that God is actually setting you up to perfect his word through the landscape of your life. It's a perspective change. But here's here's the thing. The way that we do this is by allowing his life to come into us in a greater measure. And then he does it. I'm not saying that we don't have a part, like that we just get to sit on the couch and just hope for the best. That's not what I'm saying. I think you guys know that. What we do have to do is we say yes. We obey when he calls us to do something. We let go of the things he says. This isn't helpful for you anymore. We participate with his leading, but our job is to let him lead. Amen. And so in doing that, his life begins to grow in us. In the book that's out there, we ordered a couple more copies for anybody that's interested. The Wendy Backlund's book, um, Living from the Unseen Realm. She has this incredible analogy about a sponge. And she talks about how our spirit is like a sponge. And it either expands or contracts depending on the atmosphere in the room. And she was saying, have you ever seen a moment in worship like we had today where all of a sudden you feel invincible? It's just like, I could pray anything and it will happen. I've got that mustard seed faith. You know, it's like that feeling that, oh, it's like the presence of God and that your sponge has expanded in that and it feels amazing. And then when we get into real life circumstances and fear becomes a a part and real consequences and frustration and pain and our sponge begins to contract and we feed off of the atmosphere of negativity instead of the atmosphere of the kingdom, and now we don't feel like we can do anything for God. Anybody relate to that? And so what we're talking about here for 2020 is learning how to turn our sponge to the right atmosphere. It's learning how to let the life of God come into us so that we can expand instead of contract and good things begin to happen in our lives. Amen? So I want us to look at John 15 today, and uh, we're going to go through this sort of verse by verse, just a couple parts of it. Because I feel like this is important for where God is taking us. And I've got it on the Passion Translation. And um, the context of this is actually really interesting. Jesus was giving these words at the Last Supper. Judas had just left, so Jesus knew he was going to betray him. And he knew this was his last big monologue, right? His last, his last big words to his best friends, his brothers, his people. And this is what he begins to talk to them about. And he says, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So I want to stop there for a second. If you dig into this in the context of what it's saying, I love how the Passion Translation, the um, commentary says this, specifically about the propping up the fruitless branches. It says, the Greek phrase can also be translated, he takes up to himself every fruitless branch. He doesn't remove these branches, but he takes them to himself. As the wise and loving farmer, he lifts them off the ground to enhance their growth. Now, this is where it gets really powerful. In the context, Christ's endless love for his disciples on the last night of his life on earth seems to emphasize God's love even for those who fail and disappoint him. I'm the vine, and you are my branches, he says. He's like Groot. We are this extension of him that goes, is that too weird? No, sorry. But what he does is when we're not doing well, when we've turned away from him, when we've cut ourselves off from his life union, instead of just getting rid of you altogether, the real context of this verse is that he props you up to give you another chance. He, if, you, if you know anything about farming, which you guys know I don't, what that means is that he actually lifts up the branches and ties them up so they're off the ground so they can get more nutrients and more sunlight. So it doesn't matter today where you're at if you're going, wow, I am the branch that's on the ground. I'm withered. I'm dead. The Lord's going, it's okay. Let me prop you up. And for those of us that had an amazing year in 2019 and we yielded a great harvest, the Lord's going, that's amazing. I can't wait to cut you back so you can grow more. What? <laughs> because pruning is his kindness. It takes a while to renew your mind to that, but it's true. And then he says this, the, verse three, the words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. So this is what I want us to understand. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. You must remain in me because I'm remaining in union with you. This is huge, guys. I've told you all the story about my dead tree, Delilah, in my first house in Norman that came back to life. I did take a picture. I forgot to put it on the screen, so just, you know, i can show you later. Um, This tree died. It completely died. And the interesting thing about when a tree is dying is that some parts seem to still get water and other parts don't. There's some branches that are just dead, 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 right? And when you break them off and look at it, there's nothing, there's no fibers that are alive inside. It's just completely cut off from the water. This is the picture that God gives us of how we're supposed to stay in union with him. That there should be water that's being drawn from some unseen source, some unseen place from the ground that's getting into who you are. It's like when the Bible says, out of our bellies flow rivers of living water. There is this understanding in the earth and in the spirit realm that we are connected to this life source. And here's the thing. Jesus says in the statement I am remaining in life union with you. It's his promise. So anytime we're feeling cut off, it's not because he cut you off. It's because we somehow cut ourselves off from him. I used to have these magnets, and I wish I, I had them to bring to you. But um, you know when you put two magnets together in the right direction, they, they love each other, right? They go together. If you turn them the wrong way, they repel. And I feel like the Lord was highlighting this to me because that's a little bit what it's like in the kingdom sometimes. It's like, it's like sometimes we turn our magnet the opposite way. We're still both magnets, me and Jesus. We're still connected, right? But sometimes I'm like the wrong way. And so I'm, I'm somehow being repelled away from him instead of drawn to him. And all the Lord asks from us to do to get this abundance in our life is make sure that our polarizing side is the correct side with him. It's our yes. It's our surrender. It's our obedience. That's all we need to do. He takes care of all the rest. And just, you know, a pro tip for you. He genuinely, genuinely never does it on the time frame that we're looking for. So if you're like, well, you haven't done it yet, be of good cheer. We all feel that way. So anyways... um, (laughs) All right, verse five. I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Ouch. But if you live in life union with me, And if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When you're, okay, before I do verse eight, let me say this it's God's tender devotion towards you that it means that he's caring for every branch in your life. It's his tender devotion towards you. It's the fact that he loves you so much that he wants to pay attention to these things, amen? And so when he's saying that if, if, um, when he's saying that we can ask for whatever and it will be done, it's because the, the water of God is turned on 100% and so it's the life of Jesus flowing through us. So what we ask for is actually what he wants in our life. Does this make sense? So it happens because it was his idea all along. Sometimes we get tripped up as believers because we were asking God to do something that might be good, but it wasn't where he was at that moment. And so he can't give it to you because it would thwart his best efforts for your life. It's not pleasant to feel that way, but it's true. And then he goes on to say this in verse 8. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So what does this mean? When you are bearing abundant fruit, you are like him. Why? Because he is the fruit bearer. It's his life at work inside of you. Verse 9, I love each of you with the same love the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. That's my prayer for you guys. That we would live continually and empowered and nourished by his love. He says, my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. It's a good thing to say yes to the Lord. It's a good thing to participate with him. And, And here's what this means for us. And I'm going to wrap this up here in just a minute. What I get from this and what I feel like God is saying for us is that your personal devotion matters more in 2020 than it has ever mattered in your life. Your ability to have an actual relationship with God matters more this year than you could have ever imagined. Now, I think sometimes when we think personal devotion, because we live in Oklahoma and it's just there's so much religion here and formula and this understanding that if I read, you know, two verses a day, then I won't go to hell. These weird things that we think like, you know, it's just strange, our beliefs. And the Lord is going, I'm not really interested in this like rigid thing. I'm interested in the life source coming into you. So devotion doesn't always look like an hour a day where I do 15 minutes of this and this and this. Devotion looks like the abiding of John 15. It looks like when I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about what my day is going to be like, and I'm also remembering that God is present in my life and doing good things. That if I wake up late and I don't have time to spend time with the Lord, I actually still do because I'm in him. Does this make sense? So I wake up and I'm going, ah, shoot, I wanted to wake up earlier. I missed my Bible time. And instead of feeling any type of remotely anything negative, it's like no big deal because I'm going to connect with him at every moment of my day. It's driving in your car and having that quiet moment when you're listening to worship and feeling his presence. Devotion is when we take a time like at the end of worship today and we ask him to speak to us and we quiet our hearts and he does. It's the give and take. It's the daily day in and out. My magnet is turned toward you, Lord. So whatever you want to do in that moment is great. We have to break out of this mentality that there's a formula for how we get to God. Since I've already talked about Graham Cook, I'll tell you one other thing that I heard him say recently that I thought was so powerful. He was talking about, and and don't, we all love each other, right? So I know I'm going to step on some toes, and this isn't wrong what I'm about to say. This is just a compelling, interesting thought, okay? He was talking about daily devotionals, like the ones where it says on Tuesday of whatever day this is, whatever day we're in, February 2nd, it's not even Tuesday. Okay, you guys know what I mean. That this is the verse that I'm reading, and this is what God is saying, right? And he said, there's a place for those, and they're not bad. But what you're doing is letting the writer dictate your relationship with God. And he said, what God wants in our devotional life is that we come before him, and we use the landscape of our circumstances as the drawing board that he begins to speak into. Hey, this is going on at your job. Let's talk about that. How are you becoming more like me? How are you becoming more patient because I won't let you leave this job? Amen. How many of you, you know, <laughs> we can all relate to that at some level. How, are, how am I learning how to love more because my coworker keeps talking about that same thing? Or if you're a stay-at-home mom, these all apply in the same way. And so God wants to, your devotional life, he wants to use the landscape of your life. So I'm not saying don't read a daily devotional. That is not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to understand that you are just as, um, you are set up in just the same way to encounter the living God every day as the person who wrote your favorite devotional. It's a perspective change. It's a belief system inside of us that I'm not discounted because I don't feel special or you know overly spiritual, Amen. All right, so your devotional life matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, My devotional life matters more than ever. I want to give you guys a freebie tip. And uh, I, I recently realized how unusual this is. Um, and I feel like the Lord has given me permission to open it up as a testimony for you guys to experience, too. So, uh, I, I, since I was in college, I've been doing, like, what you call Bible roulette. Do you guys know that game? Um, where you just flip it open and see what it says. And uh, I'm so weird, but thankfully the Lord loves me. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. So, um, anyways. Eventually, Bible roulette became, I wonder if I can hear God tell me a scripture that lines up with what he's been saying in my life. This is how this emerged in my life. So since I was like 20 years old, I've been doing this. So I'll be journaling and talking to God about the landscape of my life. Oh, this, oh, that. What are you going to do about this? Anytime, you know, you want to move in this area of my life would be great, Lord, and all those things. And the beautiful adoration and all the good stuff too. And so when he, when I began to like, listen to the Lord and write down what he was saying in a journaling type capacity, I got freaked out. Like, how do I know this is you, God? I don't want to be, anybody else feel that way? I don't want to just be like led by my imagination. So I started this game. Okay, God, tell me something in the word that confirms what you just said. I didn't realize until recently how unique this is, but on a weekly basis, this happens to me. So just so you know, and I don't journal every day. So, you know, it's a pretty good track record. Now, Before I tell you a good testimony, I think it bears saying that more often than not, uh, in the beginning, I would hear scriptures that were really bad. Like, um, and then the one time, (laughs) there's this scripture that talks about the angel coming and marking all the people for death, and then they came and killed them all. And I got that scripture so many times. And I was like, uh... (laughs) The first time I thought I totally missed it. The second time I was like, that was weird. The third time I was going, is this true? Are you going to come? You know, anyways, it was all wrong. Um, Anyways. So I'm just saying, if you get weird stuff, that's okay. But I will just quiet my heart and say, give me a scripture. So here's an example of it working in my life. So the other day I was praying for somebody. felt like the Lord said, I want you to, to listen to me talk about them, and I want you to pray that. I said, that's great. So I began to just listen, and he said, I am um, uh, I saw a picture of this person with oil coming all over them, and I was like, what is the oil? And he said, it's the oil of gladness. And I said, oh, that's really cool. And, um, and so anyways, then a little while later, I said, God, would you give me a scripture? And, um, and he did, and the scripture was Psalm 68, verse 2. Now, I don't have a good enough memory to remember all of the, the scripture references and what they say. So I flip it open, and Psalm 68, verse 2 and 3 talks about the enemies coming against him and the Lord coming with his gladness and pouring his gladness all over his people and i was like yes and amen i'm going to pray that with even more fervor because how can that's that's god that's god confirming right that type of stuff happens to me so often two weeks ago at prayer grant got really i don't know i was like of all this time he finally was like i want that for me and so he started asking god give me that confirmation and some of you guys were here at prayer and i think there was four people in the room who heard the lord speak a scripture reference that turned out to be the exact thing god had just said to them that's powerful And I give you this as a testimony for you. It is permission for you to take this into your devotional life with the Lord because what I know to be true is Our devotional life matters and our ability to hear God is the foundation of our devotional life, right? And when we're going to be people of faith, we want to make sure we're applying our faith in the right direction. So when you get God to confirm these things like this to you, I'm not saying you always need that. But I'm saying as you're learning to hear his voice, it helps so much. So it's a freebie for you to borrow as you're moving into this year where you're developing your devotional life. Because when we're talking about being abiding with him enjoying the life union that he has put into you. When we can hear his voice, we can do that so much more effortlessly. Amen? So there's two things I felt like the Lord um, wanted me to do to end our time together. And, and really they surround this same question, which is, are you willing to say yes to the Lord in this season? Are you willing to do what it takes to plant the seed of this word, to let it go deep into the soil of your heart? Or are you just kind of like, I'm going to sit it on the top and hope it's like the grass projects in elementary school that somehow sprout anyway? That's okay. The honesty is the most important part. The vulnerability to say this is really where I'm at is the main key that you need in your life. So if you are willing to say yes to the Lord in a second, we're just going to turn on some music. And I'm going to invite you guys to come up here and just interact with the Lord for a minute. But there's two things that I felt like God wanted us to do um, in our time with him. And the first one is, is, if you're saying, yes, God, I will let you plant this word in my heart of abundance. I will, I will say, you can do what you want to do in my life. Then you can come up and just interact with him. Just tell him. Let him speak to you. Just, I, he's God. He can handle whatever is going on inside of your brain. Amen. And the flip side is if there's anybody here that's struggling to feel like they can hear the Lord's voice, today is your day for a breakthrough in that. We're actually working on a resource as a church about hearing God because at this point in my journey, I'm so convinced that until we feel comfortable hearing his voice, we're kind of stuck in the same place, right? So there is no shame whatsoever if you're saying it's really hard for me to hear him. That's okay. You're starting out. You're, you're learning. You're learning how he speaks to you. But I want to um, invite you to come up and ask the Lord to bring a breakthrough into your ability to hear him. Because he is already speaking all around you. Sometimes it's just a matter of us quieting our heart to tune into to the, the frequency that he's speaking like on the radio. So um, we're going to turn on a little bit of music. And we're really just going to take a couple minutes. And, you know, if you guys are totally not interested in this, you're blessed to go. But I'd love for you to just ask the Lord. Do I need an upgrade in my ability to hear your voice? And, and if you're saying, yes, God, I am willing to let you plant this seed in my heart, I just invite you to come up. You can kneel down, stand up. You, you can stay in your seat, whatever posture you want to be in. But make a move in your spirit that is saying, God, I'm giving you permission to come and do something in me. Make my my soil fertile soil. Make my heart a place that can um, be a good ground for this seed to go into. Amen? So, um... Yeah, so Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your place in our midst right now. And I thank you that you're calling us to understand you at deeper levels. And so right now I just prophetically speak over every person that's struggling to hear your voice in this season, that you would unclog every spiritual ear, that you would bring an increase in all of our ability to hear from you, to see where you're moving, to sense where you are, and that we would be able to communicate with you on a deeper level. And, Lord, as we just come forward, as we say yes to you, God, we open our hearts. We open our minds to interact with you. Lord, speak to us what we need to know. Speak to us promises. Speak to us courage to stand with you in this season. In Jesus' name. We're going to take a few minutes. Just come on forward if you feel God's turn in your heart.